Hey guys, this is Ralph Macho. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion and I am Peter and again reaching out to uh, fellow companions to help me finish up our season four reviews this time Mike P aka Cobra Kai Wisdom how you doing sir doing excellent thanks for having me honored to be here yeah well this is uh I think this is the, the first time you've been on Companion it is the first time I feel like I've made it to the major leagues I've made oh. it to the show finally yeah, you're you're also admin of our group. Uh, you run your own account as well. I'll have you talk about that for those that are not on social media. But uh, one of the reasons I, I uh, reached out and extended the invite for you to come on is this amazing story that I, I will never forget with you and one Reverend Al Sharpton. Um, you uh, just sharing. Uh, you know what? How about you just share it? I, I feel like it, it may, may have come up before in the previous episode, but uh, it's your story. Sure. So it is the spring of 2019. Just before season two came out, I had recently discovered Cobra Kai Companion. I was relatively new to the Facebook group. I maybe you and I had spoken once or twice, but I wouldn't say you and I even really knew each other that well at the time. But I was going on a full-on binge at the time. Once I discovered the companion, I was hooked. You had maybe 60, 65 episodes at the time. So it was fantastic. I was just able to go, 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 listen to them back to back. And so one lovely weekday, I am out at uh, Reagan National Airport. I live in Washington, DC, heading down to Florida, I believe. And while I'm waiting, I'm listening to one of your episodes and I am standing outside the men's room in Washington Reagan Airport. Uh, it was a pretty long line, so I'm still outside the restroom, but I am in line. And a gentleman taps me on my shoulder, gentleman standing behind me who I hadn't seen previously and asked me if I'm listening to anything good. And without missing a beat, I turned around and said, yeah, I'm listening to something good. I'm listening to the latest episode of Cobra Kai Companion. I then actually look at who I'm talking to. And yes, it is the Reverend Al Sharpton. So my theory from that day, it's been about three years now, is that on that day, he has become a secret fan of yours. And he listens to Cobra Kai Companion uh, religiously, notwithstanding the look he gave me <laughs> when I told him what I was listening to at the time. But I'm pretty sure he caught an episode or two. So you may have had uh, a reverend fan of this show for three years. He may be the guy who's calling and like hanging up uh, on my voicemails. You know, my Cobra Kai companion voicemails, I, I get those like like four or five times a week. Um, oh, it's almost every day now leading up to the release of season five, I guess. Kids are looking for that Cobra Kai uh, phone number to call and ask to be an extra or for, for them to have like Miguel call them and stuff. It, it could be. He could be in our group. He, he may follow us on Instagram. Maybe he's somebody that we've known for years and he's just got his little hidden account and it's secretly the Reverend Al Sharpton. I I don't uh, I the detail of him tapping on the shoulder like that feels kind of vaguely familiar, but I I always now, now that I'm thinking about it, like 
what made him decide to tap you? I mean, you're in front of him. I guess you're your buds on. I just thought that maybe you my, guys happened to kind of catch, you know, each other's eyes. My or something hunch, I, I had the earbuds in my hunches as I was probably smiling like a goofy kid <laughs> listening to your okay. show. You, you had probably said something funny. And I, like I said, I was just binging and loving every second of it. And he probably thought whatever he's listening to, it must be something good. must be something funny. I want to listen to it too. That's my, my guess as to, yeah. Why would he start a conversation with a complete stranger at a right. men's room? in an airport oh, that's funny <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah I, I i i think that's that's really funny but i i guess as a listener of the show when you first discovered it what, what was kind of like do you remember your first thought of when you started scrolling down that feed and saw like the list of interviews like oh my gosh you know there's this and that like i don't i don't even know what, what when did you say this was uh in 2019 yeah it was the spring of 2019 i had discovered it from another channel, which no longer exists, they had mentioned it. Uh, that gentleman oh. was interviewing Gianni. And in the course of a conversation, he said, oh, I, I heard you just did an interview on Cobra Kai Companion as well. I love those guys, referring to you and Tom at the time. And I said, Cobra Kai, what now? And I look on my podcast app and yeah, there you were. Like I said, you'd had about 60 episodes at the time. Actually, your most recent interview at the time was your first interview with the big three, John, Josh, and Hayes. I was about to ask, yeah, because that was April of 2019. Yes, so I, I listened to that, and so there you are, who, whoever this guy Peter is, talking to John, Josh, and Hayden about the show. I just figured that you were just the official Cobra Kai YouTube Red podcast, that, that you worked for the system. Who else would be talking to the creators of the show? And then on top of that, I, I looked down. Yes, I scrolled down. And I see all the other interviews, which was almost everybody at the time who had been in, in just season one at the time. Yeah, I figured, oh, this is just the official Cobra Kai podcast. How cool is that? So I listened to your interview with the big three and I'm hooked immediately. So then I go way back to the very beginning and say, I'm going to start over and binge it from the beginning. And I listened to your your very first interview, of, well, it wasn't an interview, your episode discussing the Karate Kid when you did first decided to do mm. this. And that's when I realized, oh, he, he's not an official Cobra Kai. There was no Cobra Kai at the time. He's just uh, a podcaster, some dude who's a huge fan, mm -hmm. just like me, yep. and started from ground. It wasn't even Companion at the time. It was just an episode of your other podcast. Yeah. And, you know, you, I listened to the trilogy, then you start interviewing Joe and Hannah and Annalisa and I, the timing just worked out because that's when the show came out and I realized he's just a super fan just like I am yeah. Um, yeah. who's uh, who's worked it and started interviewing all these people and again you've been around less than a year at that point and 60 episodes and they interviewed everyone from the show except for Ralph and Billy pretty much at the time right yeah 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 pretty crazy and pretty wild like i was just sharing resharing the story again like you know when i um first saw ralph and billy here in portland you know september 2018 i had 13 interviews under my belt you know and i had the graphic all made up ready to show them and they humored me oh yeah maybe we'll come on the show one day and yeah, I still remember him shouting over to Ralph and like, you know, jacks up his last name on purpose. Like, I forgot what he calls him. Like, I I, I feel like Machio, but that's just too close. Like, it, it was something like way off, just really bad. And and so I, I go up to Ralph and Ralph's like, yeah, let me let me let me see the 
those pictures, you know, and then I showed him, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's the same thing. It's like, um, you know, yeah, why don't, why don't you, you know, you got a business card? Or I was like, no, <laughs> but if you got to post it, I'll write down my information. <laughs> and that, that was about it. And that's, that's when I, uh, you know, made the business card stand on and, you know, the rest is history, I guess. So yeah, yeah, quite a ride uh, I've been on. So that's a long um, journey from there to Paley Fest in 2022. Oh, yeah. Right. Three short years. Absolutely. Actually, you know, and and uh, tell us about uh, Cobra Kai Wisdom. Uh, you know, the story behind that. Cobra Kai Wisdom. <laughs> the story behind that. Well, uh, I'm a member of the Companion Facebook group, of course. And um, so it is early spring of 2020 now. And I had started this crazy idea of making some silly memes in the group. And I had started the, the the three panel style that now a lot of people know and love of just making memes. And at the time I had called it Mike's Wednesday, Win- Mike's Wednesday Wisdom. Mm. And I just posted one every single Wednesday in the group. And next thing I knew, I had maybe 20 of them because I just kept getting all these great ideas. There were only two seasons at our disposal at the time, but I had all these great ideas and it got a lot of feedback in the group and some other folks started making them. Kiara made some hilarious ones, some other folks. And I realized if if I'm only going to do this once a week, uh, this is going to take me a long time because I have a lot of them that I just kept thinking of and thinking of. And also at that time, unfortunately, next thing you know, the entire world shuts down because COVID had just started. It's March of 2020. And I really didn't want to hog the group with just my stuff. I don't like doing that. So I said, you know what? I've never done something that was just my own contribution to the Cobra Kai fandom. I've been part of the companion group. I've, I've made friends with that, but I've never made my own contribution. I'm not an artist. I don't have my own show, anything like that. So this will be a way to create my own persona and have my own contribution to the Cobra Kai fandom and speak to other fans um, outside of our Facebook group. So I created the Instagram page, Cobra Kai Wisdom. And at first it was just you and our companion friends. And I said, hey, I'm gonna put the memes over on this Instagram page instead of in the Facebook group so I don't hog it. And uploaded my first 20 or whatever it was and just chatting with our usual friends, you, Jen, Kiara, Dorian, Pilani, the usual gang, and then some more people start joining and some more people start joining. And it starts to build up some steam, much to my surprise, partially because they liked it, partially because we had nothing else to do in our lives in the world at the time. And I started meeting some new people who were not in the companion group, who were not our Facebook friends. And over the years have made some truly amazing friends. And then some additional craziness happens. I started getting some of my stuff reposted by cast members. Uh, The first one, which I will never forget, was Vanessa, Vanessa Rubio. She actually reposted one of mine just as she was recovering from COVID herself, which we didn't know at the time. And she had written something like, thank you, Cobra Kai Wisdom. You have no idea how much I needed that laugh, not knowing what she was going through at the time. But I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. And then fast forward to the day before season one and two finally dropped on Netflix. It is August of 2020. Um, I'm opening up a a meme that I had just posted earlier that day, and it has absolutely exploded 
and I'm not sure what happened. And I look and I see that Peyton List reposted it uh, mm. and all her millions and millions of, of followers. So she reposted and then I think Tanner reposted and then Jacob reposted that. They were kind of competing with each other and it just went absolutely insane. And kind of the rest is history from there. So uh, the page has certainly had its ups and downs <laughs> since then. I'm on my my second coming of it with my sequel page, but uh, it's been a lot of fun and I've met some some really amazing people through it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's w- one of my favorite uh, fan accounts. So, uh, and you, you know, occasionally you'll do some lives. You know, if I can't tune in live, I um, try to go back and and watch the entire thing, and. You know, like, and I don't even ask you to. And so sometimes you give updates on what's going on with us. And there was one that um, that you were just really, you know, and I just mentioned this in the the, the live watch along in our group that uh, I was kind of thinking, you know, for those that are tuning in, because, you know, uh, a, a lot of you guys, including you, you're probably one of our biggest cheerleaders. And I mean that in the best possible way. You know, you're 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 sharing everything I put out there, but in your lives, unsolic- unsolicited, you're you know, telling your followers about like our accomplishments and the things that we have done, the Paley Fest interviews, you know, so, so those, uh, those, um, you know, always bring a smile to me, you know, when I don't expect it, I'm like, oh, wow, he's, he's talking about us. So that's, that's, that's really awesome too. Cause uh, surprisingly, um, I, I know that we have, like, we share a lot of the uh, same followers, but there's obviously people that follow you because of just your content, you know, they're not podcast listeners or don't really care for interviews and stuff. So, so that's always kind of interesting too, that, um, you know, you're telling like some other Cobra Kai fans that uh, may not necessarily be privy to what we do. So, so that was important to me that, that you were definitely one of them. Uh, one of the people I reached out to, to help me complete season four. Uh, but yeah, you went from moderator of the group to, to um, one, one of two admins. So, so there we go. There you go. Yeah, uh, I feel like there was one other thing about the account. Yeah, you you mentioned how um, you know you started it because you didn't want to like oversaturate the group. That's kind of why I did Cobra Kai Companion because I was part of a TV podcast network, and I was like, well, I was getting all these interviews, and I, I had so many ideas for other things. I didn't want to just take over that podcast, and that's what started Cobra Kai Companion. So very similar story there. Um, it's a it's a great way to have met people. I, I did something recently where I was just like, I know based on how many people I talk to and how many followers I have, that there's so many people who, who don't reach out and don't communicate me. And I don't know who they are or where they're from. Yeah. So I just said, where are you from? And tell me something about yourself. And just the responses I got that day were people from literally all over the world, all across the globe, and just telling me different things about themselves and, and all brought together by this one show, people that we never would have met in real life otherwise, but we were all brought together as friends. From this one show and i i don't usually tag any of the big three on anything say hey read my page anything like that i don't like doing that but i i did on that day i said john josh and hayden if you're not too busy you should see this these are your fans from across the globe who are just here on my little page one little corner of the fandom and they are all here we're all together linked together for your work and what you've given to us and john shared that or he he at least yeah he he reshared the the tag. I I do remember that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm thinking about it like you know your your memes. You know they're very, you know witty and and um you know they're all jokes and and whatnot sarcasm. And if you don't get that, then they're not necessarily following you. So I feel the young. So you don't probably have like too many like uh, a young audience. So I think 
that's where we're a little bit different because I, I feel a good chunk of my followers are probably also kids and young teens because like uh, often, you know, mine are edits or just images and stuff. So you don't have to think too much because like I often say like, oh, Mike gets all these responses when he does all these damn AMAs or whatever on Instagram. And I get like three questions, you know, so that makes a lot of sense. You know, the people that follow you are definitely, um, I, I feel uh, a little bit older than my followers. So definitely the overwhelming majority are adults like me quote adults. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 40 year old uh, men with their, their sons. Uh, I think was at the line from episode four or five. Uh, so speaking of episodes, we are going to be reviewing 407 today titled Minefields. Uh, yes. This one was uh, directed by a new name for us um, on both both parts, director Tanya McKiernan and uh, new to the writing staff, Bill Posley. So we'll keep an eye on those names and see if they come back in season five. But um. Before we get into it, I do not have a synopsis from Amy, but I will uh, kind of just read what Netflix has. Uh, they say Daniel invites Anthony to join Miyagi-Do and discovers he doesn't know his son as well as he thought. Miguel learns the truth about Johnny and Carmen. So uh, that's what we have for this episode. Very simple. Um, I kind of missed the jokey stuff from Amy, but you know, we, we yeah, uh, official site, your descriptions are, you should be hiring Amy to do that. Cause yeah, she's step, the master. Your game up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, off the top, what do you think about this episode? Your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts, seeing it back now is that this is a very important episode. It doesn't have Absolutely. any big fights. It doesn't have any memorable Johnny quotes, anything's like anything like that. Uh, but it's a very important episode. I, I describe it as a transition episode. It's the episode before we officially start getting into tournament mode, which is eight, nine, and 10. Nine and 10 are the tournament itself, of course. I also see it as having a lot of foreshadowing for what I think is going to be the storyline of season five. Uh, it's now basically August of 2022. We've, we've all seen all of season four, of course. We've seen the teaser for season five and we can get a sense of what we think that's going to be about that storyline begins in this episode as i see it and it's very important if you watch for some several clues particularly pertaining to terry silver also thought that this was uh anthony and griffin's finest episode to date i thought this is where we finally got to see what He's been that poor kid has been waiting four years for <laughs> to show his acting chops and he really just hit it out of the park. Um, and lastly, this is where we start to see potential cracks in the Cobra Kai relationship, mostly between Terry and Crease, which would come to fruition in later episodes. So really a lot going on in this episode. Yeah, these um, transitional episodes, as you call them, they are you know, my favorite type of episodes, you know, they really add to the story and help move along uh, everything that's going on. Uh, my interview with um, Matea Green, you know, who wrote uh, Kicks Get Chicks, I told her like, that is one of my favorite episodes. And that was kind of like hindsight too, you know, like that was just as important, you know, setting up um, Johnny and Eagle Fang and 
yeah. all, all these relationships. So I really love the like the, the 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 human interactions and stuff. You know, you also got Amanda's backstory there. You got uh, Amanda and Tori in that episode. Amanda and her aunt uh, Candace. So a lot of setting up. And I think this episode is no different. A lot of setting things up. And that's what I love about the show is because um, they don't just like hit us with surprises. They set you up for those surprises. You know, when when we get these big shocking reveals and moments, you're like, oh, damn, how did I not see that coming? They 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 freaking told us it was right there in front of our face. So um, that's that's what I think separates this from other shows where people are like, oh, you got to watch the show. It's so great. And I'll watch them be like, I I. I mean, I guess that reveal was supposed to be shocking, but I didn't see the setup, so I don't feel it was earned. And that's the hugest difference. It's a difference. It's like Cobra Kai earns everything, you know. So that's why I think, um, you know, they continue to get slept on when it comes to the writing. And I think with the last two seasons, three included, where it's taken me basically an entire year to get through the episode reviews, I still have not yet at this point watched Ted Lasso. And I want to, but I'm still, you know, like I, I wonder if people are thinking that I'm boycotting it because Ted Lasso keeps winning. <laughs> but again, I'm sure I, it's a fine show. And it, it it it's difficult for Cobra Kai to be like the dramedy that toes the line between two genres. So I think I think that's another thing. They get it done every time. I haven't seen Ted Lasso yet either, so no yeah. worries. Uh, um, I think you and I are also on that same boat for Stranger Things. I've seen the first season, but that's... I haven't seen you know, a single episode. Kai was nope. also, you know, so... Um, yeah, for, for me, like, Stranger Things, somebody sold me on a different type of show. You know, so when I watched it, I go, okay, well, that was really good, but that's not what somebody told me it was going to be. Uh, and I feel like it became that, like, in the later seasons, but eventually I'll get to that as well. And since we're on that topic, I still haven't seen Squid Game, so that's fine. Anyway, uh, got a lot in common. <laughs> got a lot of work to do. All right, man. So we we begin inside the library at West um, West Valley Middle School, and uh, we have Leah and Anthony sharing a moment here. Uh, she drops a book, Beowulf. Um, I'm not familiar with the book, but I did see the, uh, the the movie with Angelina Jolie and was it Ray Stevenson? I think. Could be. I hadn't seen that either. I don't know if that bore any particular significance other than Anthony using it to try to start up a conversation with Leah. Really? I mean, he says that there's no werewolf. I mean, um, I can see why somebody would think that it, it could possibly be about one. But Animal Farm, uh, he mentions that maybe she should have uh, checked that one out. But um, what we also see in the background is like Zach Slade and uh, Marcus what are they doing? Are they doing the thing where you like flick each other's fingers or, or something like that? I couldn't really tell. Yeah, slap each other's hands, some type of game. And Zach is clearly the leader. They're playing the game that he wins all the time, clearly, as the leader of the group. And he knows he's going to win. So he's just that type of personality. And while that's going on, we learn that uh, Anthony and Leah actually have a history together, that they've been, that they were friends in elementary school, that they've known each other for quite a long time. And have since gone their separate ways, their different cliques, and Anthony is trying to regain that relationship, but in a more romantic way. And Leah wants to talk to his her old elementary school friend and be friends again. Yeah, I I feel like this is like a reach, but there's a drop of, about um uh like I don't know if it was a neighbor or whatnot, but uh, he mentions like Miss Mr. Landry, right? And something with like the the chicken coop, and I was all like. Wasn't um, hanging with Mr. Cooper? Wasn't he 
wasn't there something Landry? I don't know. I mean, you know, now that I think about it, I don't think there was a connection there. But when when he was making when he dropped those names, like it kind of reminded me of something. It could very well be. You know that with this show, every name, every reference is some connection to an 80s show or a 90s show that the big three was a fan of. So no name in this show is ever a coincidence. Right. Yeah, that's something I'm definitely going to have to ask Bill Posley if I get a chance to interview him. But um, yeah, that, that kind of stuck out to me. But you're right. This definitely sets up like, OK, they they have known each other um, for some time. And clearly they have uh He's not being friend zoned, but they um Leah definitely does not see him as like, you know, the way that he sees her. But Kenny and is also in the library. He is, yes. And she goes over to Kenny, and we don't know at this point whether anything romantic is going on between Leah and Kenny. It doesn't appear that way, but that's how Anthony certainly interprets it, as do his friends, which is a, a great line from Zach, Zach Attack, who says, uh, to Anthony, it looks like everyone's doing something new, which is a great callback to Tommy's line from First Karate Kid, which he says one of his first lines to Johnny, it looks like everyone's doing something new. Take a right, check it out. So it's a great mm-hmm. callback because that's that's how the rivalry begins when Tommy says that to Johnny and Zach's kind of trying to do the same thing. He, he's really the one stirring up this rivalry between Anthony and Kenny. Yeah. Do you know my theory about Tommy being the uh, instigator in all of this uh, Karate Kid Universe stuff? I didn't know you had one, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, because um, I, I mentioned this when I went on Cobra Kai Theory. Shout outs to Theory. Um, we were kicking around ideas and I believe season two had just come out. Well, maybe not just come out, but I think we were waiting maybe for season three. I'm kind of forgetting the whole timeline thing. Everything's different in the last couple of years here. But I mentioned, well, we learned that Tommy was in love with Allie, you know, but Johnny struck yep. first, unfortunately. And so, you know, they come to that stop. Who knows? Maybe it was Tommy's idea for them to go riding. He's the one that brings beer, you know, then that impairs judgment. And uh, he's the one that, you know, quote unquote, sees Allie over on the beach. I mean, Freddie knew about the party. There's going to be other people that know about the party. Right. So there's no way that Tommy didn't know. And they coincidentally went there. He happens to be like, all right, let's see if they're over there. Yes. Boom. Right there. I can see Allie from here. You know, Tommy points them out. And I'm, I'm just saying, you know, like if Tommy never saw them, they would have gone straight in. And, and, and you mentioned Kiara earlier. She was also doing this incredibly funny thing uh i believe it was in 2020 where you know we would do these frames from the karate kid and it'd be like you know the end you know like if if just the one thing went in a different direction the movie would have been over and i think i did one where tommy does not look over and they just you know ride their bikes straight keep going ahead (laughs) they just keep on going the movie was over johnny (laughs) look to your left look to your left yeah yeah, look to your left or look straight ahead let's go (laughs) you know it's it's totally true and i i don't know if the whole thought of tommy being in love with ali was known back in 1983 but they were filming it but if you look at it from the perspective now thinking that he was in love with ali himself and he had to sit for the past two plus years watching her be with Johnny, they finally break up. And then he looks over and sees her with this new guy, Daniel LaRusso. And he figures, all right, well, I still can't be with her, but I'm not going to let this new kid come in. The closest thing I can do is stir up Johnny. 
and have him mess up this new dude. So at least she's not with anybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I believe I mentioned this in a live or, or somewhere. And Chrissy was like, well, you know, Tommy and Barbara were a thing. I'm like, well, I'm sure they were, but she, you know, he st- at some point still loved her, you know, or, you know, was yeah. in love and first crush or whatnot. But yes, it's like for me, at least I know that if I'd like to grow, if, if I was Tommy, you know, and loved Allie, I'd be like, no, ain't no new guy going to come out from nowhere and, you know, uh, so even if he wasn't trying to, like, mend the relationship between Johnny and Allie, but, you know, now they're boys, him and Johnny, I could see him kind of cock blocking like this new kid uh, at, at the very least. Be like, who, who does this guy think he is? You know, Without, and yeah. he knows as soon as he said that what Johnny's reaction is going to be. Absolutely. Come on. And then add, go, add beer to that. Come on. Add, add some warm beer. He's going to go ape shit and take this yes. kid down. Absolutely. So there we go. Uh, tell us what you guys think uh, on social media. So, um, all right, we let's see. Continue into the locker room where uh, Dal- Dallas uh, Kenny is getting uh, undressed, and um, do they mention? Do they call him Lupuso here? Lupuso. This does not roll yes. off the tongue for uh, tongue for me. Lupuso. Yes, we get the sense yeah. that uh, Kenny had just steamrolled over Anthony on the basketball court, and mm. Zach and the boys are, are busting Anthony's balls over it. And what, what, what balls? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, again, this is them stirring it up. Anthony himself is not angry that we see at Kenny, but the other boys are stirring him up between what just happened with Leah and getting humiliated on the basketball ball court. They're the ones stirring the pot, being like, "All right, we'll call you Laposo. Prove us wrong. Do something." Right. And that's yeah. when Anthony does what he does. You know, like I. I understand the people that say that they don't like Anthony, that he's annoying and, and all these different things. Um, but some of those I feel like, well, you're supposed to feel that way, you know. Uh, but one of the episodes I did, you know, for those that missed it, possibly uh, I did a a uh, episode with Kristen Baldwin from Entertainment Weekly uh, prior to. Well, actually, I think it came out the, the day season four released and um, it was like top five things we did not expect from season four. And mine was Griffin's performance as Anthony. I was like, I did not expect that. You know, we saw very little of him in the first three seasons. If you want to count three at all for like his five second, you know, uh, cameo there. But I was blown away, you know, and you mentioned like, this is that episode, you know, where, where and then episode eight, the, the next episode, um, Griffin does uh, amazing in as well. But yeah, this is kind of where we see the start of it. And, you know, you can see that the other kids are egging him on and you can tell that he's like very much Bobby in this scenario. You know, he's the one with like a guilty conscience here. It's like, I know that this isn't right, but these are like my only friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's part of the the cool group and he wants to stay that way. Same with the Cobra right. guys. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and, and obviously uh, I feel like this is a nod to weird science, you know, where, uh, uh, Kenny runs out into the hallway only in his underwear to be um, caught by a bunch of girls, probably volleyball or something like that, who's laughing at him. So, um, do yeah, you... this is a weird, weird gym locker room too that goes directly is, out to the that hallway. Door. Yeah, yes, that door just opens right. up to the hallway where everyone's walking by. But there's a window. I, I, I know the window's school. covered, but at some point it's not. So, like, yeah, you're you're peering right into. Maybe it's a really old design from the '80s. Could but be, even the, but yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have any uh, 
you know, like if anybody saw Porky's, you know, you you don't want like any direct view <laughs> into showers and whatnot. So, no, so, no. so some of our audience members got that reference. Um, all right, so we uh, go to the Diaz's, and Miguel is in the living room stretching uh, as Johnny arrives, and this is where Johnny and Carmen discuss how they want to tell Miguel that they're that they're dating. Yes, they're having that discussion, and then Miguel ready to start training realizes he can't find his water bottle and Carmen says it's in her car keys are in my bedroom and lo and behold we have a discovery when Miguel goes into the bedroom so do we think that Johnny went over there post uh uh I don't know 405 montage like well, why was he wearing this headband I mean this isn't he doesn't always rock the headband I, I don't know. I don't know the circumstances, but I got to give a shout out to Sensei Lawrence wearing his headband to the bed. Nice, nice man. You know what? I, uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I did not think about that, but possibly some role playing. <laughs> you know, so I'm just picturing sensei. him wearing the, head, the headband and nothing else. Classic yeah. Johnny Lawrence. Love it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I need that. I need that Photoshop. I need that edit. So uh, we, I know some talent. <laughs> He's about talented to take it off, and the, she says, "No, yeah. no, leave the headband on." Mark, hook us up. Hook us up. Let's, <laughs> Come on, let's be water. Yeah. Yes, make it happen. Well, what, what's the? Uh, was it four oh? Let's say four oh two, four oh three. You know when they're having the ED talk, like you know, let's, let's get that headband on on him in that image right there. <laughs> With the nips. become the sensei. <laughs> I want to see what's not just Johnny. I want Sensei Lawrence tonight. Right there, we go. Um, but yeah, I, I remember this is one of the the stills I feel that came out as well, where uh, you know you got Miguel uh, sitting there and there's keys next to him because I remember, I mean, yeah, it's got to be stills. I don't think it was part of the uh, teaser or anything like that because I remember specifically asking Brianna, I "Go, does Miguel drive?" And she's like, "No." I go, "Why has he got keys next to him?" And this isn't him driving oh. yet. But now we know that, yeah, uh, she, he would go get the keys over on her night, uh, Carmen's nightstand so he could be, go get his water bottle out of, the, out of the car. So that makes sense there. There was, but, it was either a still or as part of one of the trailers where we get that same shot of Miguel sitting there. And then we also get a shot of Johnny and Carmen on the couch looking like they're having a serious discussion with Miguel. And that's when we all figured, ah, this is when they disclose their relationship to Miguel. Yeah. How do, uh, what do you think of uh, Miguel's reaction? He's grown up a lot. I'd, I'd see a lot of teenagers freaking out by news like that. And I think that's what they were all pretty worried about. Uh, he, he handles it pretty maturely, given what he knows about his mom's history, her, her bad luck with men, given what he knows about Johnny's history and his obsession with his high school girlfriend. I thought that's where the storyline was headed, where Miguel was talking all that. Oh, Allie, 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 we did all this work in season three. You're clearly still in love with your high school girlfriend. And now all of a sudden you're with my mom, that it would be more of uh, WTF is this. You know, you couldn't get Allie, so you're hooking up with my mom. But he handles it very maturely. He loves them both. This is a great situation that the, his two parental figures are together. I thought he handled it actually very maturely for uh 17 year old yeah no you make a really good point i wonder if that's any of the like miyagi-do influence you know like uh, instead of like jumping to conclusions or whatnot he's kind of hearing them out they're both adults um i don't know if i need this but i wonder if we could have used a 
like one scene where Miguel has like where he he sees something, you know, whether it was a night where they're having dinner together, where it clues him in, like, could there be something there between them? Instead of like, well, this is supposed to be like the reveal to you, and you handed it maturely when I'm thinking like, hmm, I could have used something where that 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 kind of gives us a, a little of like that maturation but i don't know maybe it worked for others but that's that's the thing that stood out for me i was just like he handled it way too well yeah it was a little lost opportunity because they had that not breakup but that situation where like okay let's slow down for a bit and then they pick up again i think in 404 it was a little bit of a lost opportunity to have that moment where miguel gets a clue like right why is it so awkward between them you know he catches a look between them or something that clues him into that something more is going on on the other hand this way to find out by seeing that the headband under under the pillow was fantastic. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, like I knew it, or like, oh, like, <laughs> gross. What? You know, something. <laughs> uh, okay, so we go. Let's see. We're at the Larusso's. Anthony is checking out Leah's uh, uh, Instagram on his pad or tablet or whatever, and Daniel comes down and has a talk with him about something he found. And this was definitely one of the images that we all found. And like, I think. Like 80% of the people like, oh, he's going to join Cobra Kai. And for covering the show as long as I have, I go, there's no way that's what's going on in this scene. You know, why would they put out this very frame if that was the case? Like, there's something else here. Like, Daniel must have found this. And it's like, what is going on? And I don't think it's his. And that was that's about it. I feel there was a smaller percentage of us that actually was more on that side. I certainly was. I thought that's what was going to happen. And I apologize if I could just give one more reference to that the previous scene with Miguel, Carmen, and Johnny. Yeah. One other thing we learned is we finally got a little bit more understanding about the Applebee's story. We finally learned a little bit more about what happened there, why he got booted out, and all we know now is that it has something to do with their loaded potato soup. So right. my my sense is that we're going to learn a new fact each season until the very end about what happened at Applebee's. That's going to be the new joke. So all we know now, you think so? Applebee's, I, I think so. Otherwise they would have just told us, but there was a reason it got, the story got interrupted and now we know that it has something to do with loaded potato soup that okay. got him getting kicked out of all Applebee's franchises for the rest of his <laughs> life. It, it, that's interesting that you say that because I feel that the talk in the the writer's room was Let's give them this, and that's it. I don't think there's going to be any mentions of Applebee's again after this. That that's what I think because this, this is season be a four forever. Yeah, yeah, because we're on the, the the back half of you know if we still subscribe to like there's going to be only six seasons. Um, right. I feel people have uh, has been like, well, m- maybe now seven because they're doing so well on Netflix. But you know, for as long as as we've heard uh, John on Twitter uh, during Q and As, we're like, we have you know, outlines for six seasons. He never said that that's where they were ending. But at some point, sometime after the move to Netflix, he stopped saying that and stopped, you know, mentioning that at, at, at all when somebody would question it. So if we subscribe to the six seasons, it that possibly being the end, I don't think we hear about Applebee's again. Mm. Maybe if there's a seven I think the chance, I think the percentage goes a little up a little bit. Yeah, that that we may get just a little bit more. I don't think we'll ever find out what it is. <laughs> just kind of, just kind of like their inside joke about Bert shitting in the tuba. They'll just never mention it. That would be classic yeah. big three. That's 
all the seasons go by and we just never learn that story. That would be fantastic. Right. And it still amazes me the amount of people that I'm like, ah, oh. but my reaction would be like, come on, I thought, I thought, uh, you're better than this, you know, where some people be like, well, they better not do this. I'm thinking, why would you think they do that? Because they have not done it at this point. So why now? You, you know what I mean? Like they stick to the guns and whatever works for them, they continue to do that. They're not going to, you know, I, I don't think they're going to sell out and do something tropey or whatever the hell that just because they're on Netflix now, you know what I mean? Like there's got to be some discussions like, oh, coming to Netflix, like you're not going to have like more say in our story than we do, you know, that kind of thing. No, and I don't think they have, uh, certainly not in season four, and I would doubt very much in season five as well. And I think that was part of the deal. Like, this is still our show. We are the showrunners, the writers, the creators. Nothing should change. We're giving you this great show, and this is why it's a great show. And so nothing should change. Uh, so far, I don't think anything has changed. And just a couple of reminders, like, you know, a couple of reminders that TB3 has a very close relationship with Robert Mark Kamen and a word that I don't feel is often used enough or used often enough uh, to to talk about TB3 is their integrity to their story. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think that, you know, people need to be reminded of that. So um, there's no going to be there's There's not going to be any like shark jumping moments in, in this series. So. No, they, they recognize they, they started this because they were fans of the movie trilogy. They love exactly. these movies and they recognize that these were his creations, Robert Mark Kamen, and they're taking it to a, a new generation, but they wanted to honor and respect what happened before. So even though there's no legal reason for them to, he's not part of the show, Robert Mark Kamen, uh, they, they value his, his input and what he thinks about these characters and these storylines and that's unheard of, I think, in TV and movies that they would honor I think so. the creator. I think so, yeah. Nobody has ever like, oh, Cobra Kai is like this show in this way. Nobody ever says that. So, um, all right, Ted Lasso, what do you got for us? <laughs> Bring mean, it, Ted. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, what is worse <laughs> than Daniel finding a joint in Anthony's closet, a Cobra Kai hoodie? That's worse. That's got to be worse. I think Daniel would have preferred seeing a joint. <laughs> he probably would have. Yeah. Oh, he's just smoking. I've seen yeah. one of those. We'll look up but, the number. Uh, I get it. Yeah, it was a nice catch. My initial thought, I remember thinking this the first time I saw it, was why did he bring the hoodie home after stealing it? Why didn't he take it and throw it in the trash somewhere? Uh, to bring it home requires some effort. It made me think that there was some semblance of a regret that he had done what he had done and that at some point he was going to plan to return those clothes to Kenny as a, I'm sorry, I was just doing this to impress my friends, but sorry, here, here's your stuff back. Um, otherwise, a, why would he put the effort in? That's a good point. You know, if you want to compare, I was about to phrase this the wrong way, but uh, not the uh, anatomical uh, male part dicks, but, <laughs> but if you want to compare dicks, you know, Kyler versus Anthony, Kyler will, you know, throw your backpack into a trash can and then pour milkshake over it or whatever it was, right? I mean, it's been a while yep. since I've seen that episode from season one. Anthony, Anthony was kind enough to like, I'm not going to throw it away because you're right. Like, will I give this back? But it's also like somebody's hoodie, you know, he's, you know, he's not below that where he's going to, you know, toss away somebody's belonging. And um, 
like if you watch Griffin's face acting and his eyes, he's very impulsive, like a LaRusso, you know, that that's just the thought. And, and even when he's running and holding onto that hoodie, he doesn't know what he's going to do with it. So yeah, maybe he brings it all the way home because if he leaves in his locker, there's receipts. Boom. You got that in the locker. You're in trouble, dude. So you have to bring it home, but you don't have the heart to throw away somebody's actual belonging in the garbage can, you know, in the dumpster. So I think that, you know, people need to think about that a little bit more. And so you see these bits and pieces of, of Anthony, like really wrestling with his, um, his conscience, you know, and, and really battling uh, peer pressure. You know, it's a mother, especially in middle school. Like I remember middle school and high school. It's, it's, you know, kids are bad. Eighth grade is hard. Yeah. This, these aren't even the high schoolers that we're used to right. dealing with. This is eighth grade. I'd argue it's even worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eighth, uh, middle school. It's, it's not easy. And you know, there's movies like eighth grade about the, you know, the, the young girl who is, has to deal with her stuff too. So there's a lot of these movies that are out there that I think are uh, worth a watch for parents who are having, you know, young kids uh, get into that stage. Um, anything else you have to add in this sequence here? No, I don't think so. Except uh, we sort of end up with Daniel's epiphany, as always, that the only solution is for you to come to Miyagi-Do. And right. he, he sort of just implies it by saying it's time and scene cuts out from there. Right, because uh, Anthony does talk about, you know, yeah, the hoodie. He he mentions that um, he's being bullied, you know, by, by Kobe right. Kai. You know, and, right. and you could tell that, like, he doesn't want Daniel to get involved because obviously he knows that he's, you know, the bully. So we go to the Cobra Kai dojo and Kenny is telling Robbie about what happened at school. And Robbie tells him that he needs to be smarter than him and his brother, Sean, who, you know, both ended up in Juvie uh, for, for their actions. Um, anything to add about these two before the uh, uh, inter senseis crease and silver? Yeah, it still shows you hints that Robbie is still a good guy. The good guy that yeah. we've known since season one is still there. And he still wants to be a good teacher and send Kenny on the right path, notwithstanding what he's done himself, including very recently what he did to Hawk. Um, and I noticed he did not bring Kenny with him when he did that to Hawk at the tattoo parlor. parlor. Um, he, he wants to be a good role model for this kid. And that's very important to him. So he, he's trying to tell him when Kenny is clearly and understandably pissed off saying, no, don't go and kick their ass. You're going to end up just like me and just like your brother in juvie. You don't want that. You're better than that. Yeah, that's a good point And a great observation you make though, why Kenny wasn't there. Um, I never really put like thought into it, but Kenny could also have been there, but not in the room, you know, like he was the lookout kind of thing. But, but, but you're right. Just, just the idea of, Robbie not wanting Kenny to witness what will happen, you know, um, so that way Kenny doesn't think badly of him. So I actually, I like that better than like Kenny possibly, possibly being a lookout, you know, because he's, he's quick. Yeah. He can always run in and be like, hey, you know, Rico's coming back or whatever. Yeah. I want to know what happened to Rico, basically. There's, a, there's always important choices as to why some characters are there and more importantly, why some characters are not there. That's the same thing I've said in season three, why Robbie did not join the other Cobras to the fight at the LaRusso mansion. He wasn't right. ready for that yet. And I don't think he would have been okay with that at the time to see oh. the LaRusso house be destroyed. So it's definitely some thought process into why certain characters are, are not present when doing some, some actions, some right. unfavorable actions. Yeah. I mean, he was staying there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like how Robbie is like teaching Miyagi-Do techniques to the Cobra Kai, 
but you know try to think about like how what if the seasons were in reverse where you know hawk was miyagi-do and then like is no longer miyagi-do but then he decides to come back and like vandalize it all it's like well dude you need to train there you know it's it's kind of like that you know um this is where creases over enter and the lesson of the day um is is fine like everybody has a weakness is basically the message and uh crease you know thinks that this is more about him now do you think this says anything uh, says anything about tori that she questions you know silver that well no crease doesn't have any uh, have any weaknesses i i feel like that that does kind of paint a picture of how she think or, or what she thinks of crease that this guy is fearless like he's got no weakness you know like he's this is my sensei. This is my ultimate badass here. Um, but for her to like kind of just question that to to Silver. Without a doubt. That and she's quick to do it too. Sensei Kreese doesn't have a weakness. And th- that is how she and, and Kyler and a lot of these Cobras view Sensei Kreese, that he is the sensei, unlike their former sensei, Sensei Lawrence. He's the sensei with no fear and no weaknesses. And it shows a lot that they don't know who he really is and they don't know anything about his history. They've just got these blinders on that. He's this teacher who's guiding them. And also in Tori's case, he's the only male figure who's ever been there for him that we know about. Right. In the short amount of time that they've known each other too. She, he's probably done yeah. so much for her in that short amount of time than many, many have in like the previous years. And he really has too. He's been there for her in ways that, no one else has, as far as we know. Do you think we'll get more about her dad that was just previously mentioned uh, by the aunt? It's a possibility. Like everything else, there's a reason that the big three mentions anything. Every single line is important. And it would have been very easy for them to say that her dad is dead and was never around at all, and that her mom was a single mom. But they made a point of saying that he took off and that he, he is still alive, but he's not around, and that he's some sort of a deadbeat. And um, so it, it's certainly a possibility. I, I think Tori's family and her family line and, and what's going on with that is going to be a very big part of her storyline in season five. And that's going to be a, a hook that Terry has in her because he has the financial ability to help her. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even think we'll see the brother again. I think he was only shown in season three because he's still part of the discussion. You know, like this is ultimately about Tori. Um yeah, if anything happens with the brother, I think it'll only be in dialogue. Cause just like I think if we bring in the brother and give him more to do, that's just way too many people at this point, uh, to to continue to keep introducing. So yeah, I'm fine with not seeing little Brandon. Um yeah, this it's this is really telling. Obviously, uh, you know, most of us, I, I, I'm sure, all of us has already uh, finished up season four here. But just the fact that Tori, um, Tori says, "Well, Sensei Chris doesn't," and Silver's like, "Yes, he does." Every everybody has a weakness. So at that point, he knows. Like he, if you're paying attention, Silver already found it. Already found Chris's weakness for him to say it so confidently. He sees it, and you can see Chris's reaction that he looks over when suspiciously when when silver says that about him he catches that and that'll be important later on of course and and this is sort of the first sense of uh, a crack in the armor between 
the bond between silver and crease, which we thought was unbreakable until now. That's something that they're not 100% on the same page. Right. Uh, now we cut to the awkward talk about uh, Johnny and Carmen dating. Now, is this is this where they're having dinner? Nope, nope, this is not quite yet. Am I out of order? Yeah, they're just sitting. They're, they're in the same place. They're in the living room. Um, he's, Miguel is sitting in a chair. Carmen and Johnny are sitting in the couch across from them. And, and this is where they have that conversation where I believe that Miguel handled the conversation very okay. maturely. Okay, I, I mixed in when they wanted to talk about letting him know, I think, right? Yeah, there, there were a few situations where they discussed, should we tell him, should we not tell him, okay. what's the best way to do it, and this is... Got it. No, they, they, weren't, they were sort of planning to tell him anyway, and that's when the Applebee's discussion came up, that, oh, let's go out to dinner tonight, and that's where we'll tell him. But Miguel ended up finding the headband anyway, so they unexpectedly okay. had to have... It was a little out of order. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so at Miyagi-Do, uh, Daniel takes Anthony over to check out the training. Uh, we got... Uh, Dimitri and Sam looking over some weapon uh, weapons because they now have a weapons demonstration in the tournament. Um, but yeah, Anthony just kind of checking everything out and um, Daniel just giving him a glimpse of uh, what they do there. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see him there with Daniel. Uh, it's not clear. Is he really going to start training Miyagi-Do? Is he really into it? It's the first time he's ever come with Daniel without his phone without rolling his eyes or making some comment that he actually thinks, Oh, you know, what they're doing is, is pretty cool. Granted at the time he sees everyone training the skills, he's seeing board breaking, he's seeing weapons display it. And that does look pretty cool. If you walk into a dojo and you see uh, martial arts practitioners doing some very advanced stuff, it's cool to see. And he's like, Oh, you're right. Th this is actually pretty interesting what you guys are doing here. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, you know, he's like asking about the Wi-Fi and, and, and whatnot. But Daniel does take a moment to kind of explain, like, you know, you got to start somewhere. You know, you can't just come in and start like doing all this stuff and use the analogy of the games, you know, with the, uh, you know, le leveling up and, and, and whatnot. But the, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was Daniel talking about giving him cheat codes. Do you think that was in reference to like the Miyagi, you know, Miyagi scrolls? Oh, I didn't even thought of that. I think he was just trying to explain things in a way that anthony would understand and at this point okay. all he really does <laughs> that we know about is is play video games so the, the whole yeah. concept of level one karate actually makes a lot of sense i don't play a lot of video games but i do the ones i do play i know that yeah the level one is always like the explanation here's how you jump here's how you fight here's how you do this and if you're an advanced gamer it can be pretty boring i'm sure but then once you start building up then you've got all these uh different moves and different techniques and it's pretty cool and i, I my sense was that he was saying, and by the way, your your father is the sensei, so I can give you a few hints and a few extra pointers that the other kids might not get when he was sure. talking about a cheat code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, Daniel used the cheat code himself in 405, so. Um, he did, he did. He did, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Then we uh, cut back to the Kai Dojo, where Crease uh, and Silver, they are having a little um, wager here. And what what is it basically that it they, they they don't specify is it two out of three or anything right they're just saying that they can kind of um coach the uh, like any of their students to kind of beat the other. Yeah, it's not a hundred percent clear 
my hunch was that they had a certain number of students and, and they would pair off and whoever won the most, whichever sensei won the most matches would win the bet. And okay. that was my sense. It, it was not clear. Okay. What are the actual terms of the bet other than best sensei wins? So we got uh, Piper versus Tori, and this is the first glimpse of us seeing uh, Piper actually doing some martial arts. Um, we've heard stories about uh, Sila um, being a very uh, talented uh, gymnast and acrobatic and, and things like this. But holy cow, she's busting out the capoeira. She's doing some Eddie Gordo from Tekken 3 here. Uh, did not expect that out of her. Yeah, she's got some moves. And I, I think this scene is one of, before the tournament is one of the biggest scenes where we got to see some of the new stunt coordinators and the, the differences in what they brought to the table. Because, yeah, she was doing some great gymnastics and capoeira. And later on, I, I think we see some some more Muay Thai type fighting, a lot of clinching and knees and things like that, which is very different from what we've seen in, in previous seasons. But uh, these are these are some fun matches. This is, these are some fun scenes that go on. Yeah, so you got those two. And I forgot who takes that one. Was it Tori? Tori takes that one. Yeah. but. Piper was brand new at that point. She had just right. joined in the previous episode. So she went toe to toe with her. Yeah. Yeah. She did pretty good. Uh, we cut to the Eagle Fang warehouse and this is where the class meets Devin Lee. And um, yes. I, if, if you guys have not yet check out uh, Drew Cobra Kai kids interview with Una O'Brien. Um, she talks about, now I'm kind of forgetting if they actually filmed it, but she remembers the sequence where, um, Johnny, Miguel, probably Bert as well. They actually go speak to her after her debate. And um, there's more of an introduction there before her coming to the Eagle Fang warehouse. So there was a little bit more. Oh, you know what? I think they ran out of time and couldn't film. I, I think that's what it was. Uh, but the class meets Devin Lee. And, you know, her pro pronouns are she, her, you know. And uh, and a big fan of Cynthia uh, uh, Rock, Rock. Help me out here. Cynthia Rock. Cynthia Rothrock is a beast. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Which I was is like, wait, what was it? I wanted to say Rockford, but that's not right either. It's uh, it, it's a great character. I I love Devin. I loved her from the second we saw her. I had yeah, the same reaction that Johnny did, as I just found the most badass girl in the valley. Um, yeah. and when she just walks in, it's, and she starts out the way a debater would prepare for anything. You gave me an assignment. You gave me research to do a bunch of 80s martial arts movies. I read, I watched every single one. It's fantastic. And then she's got her opinions. And next thing you know, Johnny is relating to this girl, to this, I guess, 15 year old girl and thinking that she's awesome, that she read all the movies and, and she watched all the movies and, and understood them. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, not only that, we also find out here, uh, not sure if it's the exact same sequence, probably is, um, but, you know, she uh, really prides herself in not repeating the same mistake twice, you know, so I think that's also really telling that. And I don't know if this is kind of like where they were going with it, but um, I'm like, oh, you know, she lost, you know, uh, spoiler alert, she lost to Tori in the tournament. So I wonder if there's going to be another match where Devin wins, you know, even if it's not tournament, because I think that was Tori's last, you know, so I don't think there's going to be another one for for Tori. But they uh they they kind of do like a similar thing with they did with Aisha in season one with the you know uh, the flinching. Uh, the, this is you know I I guess they everyone has to experience it. You know, getting kicked in the balls by Devin. Yeah, it's it's a great montage and it's it's based on the lesson of cheating, which is a good lesson if you're thinking about Ooh, it. Like, yeah. Look, we're going up against Cobra Kai. 
yes, we got to be more skilled than them, but you got to be prepared for anything they're going to do, including cheat. And I know because that's what he instructed me to do when I was a kid. So, well, not only that, um, if you think about Robbie's shoulder in that first tournament and what uh, was it, Hawk, that 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 yanks on that arm. Yeah. You know, I think I feel this is kind of that. Right. That's why he has like everyone else, like tie up one arm and has to kind of fight because that's what Robbie had to do. Yeah, definitely one arm, one leg. Uh, whatever di- whatever disadvantage they have, they got to be prepared for because Kreese will take advantage of any of it. And he knows that better than anyone. And so doing that through Devin is fantastic. That everyone else has their arm tied behind their back except Devin. That everyone else gets to be in receipt of a, a nut kick <laughs> except Devin. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's fantastic. And, and in doing so, it's also a great way to show her character because you can tell she's loving it. She's loving well, it. Absolutely. Exactly. Una's face, like she is selling that face too. Like she, um, uh, Devin is really loving it. So um, kudos to Una, you know, for her her first, uh, you know, role, a uh, big role like this. And I think the the the, the guys, you know, like Bert and um, and Mitch and um, trying to uh, or uh, Sean Thacker, like I is it Logan? I know it starts with an L. Yeah, it, it could be Logan. I, um, but anyway, we see three uh, of the uh, of the boys, and you know their face is fine, especially with like Mitch nodding, you know, please no kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like, oh, you know that the emphasis, like, like there, there's definitely that's like that's like a power kick of of sorts. Um, oh, she goes all yeah. in without yeah, a doubt. She really does. There you go. That's yeah, great point. Uh, so we go to uh, Kyler, uh, who's finishing up uh, his bout, and Sensei Silver asked uh, double or nothing. And this time, uh, Robbie, uh, Robbie versus Kenny, uh, with Kenny being um, on silver side here. What do you think about this? My biggest takeaway from this scene is that Terry Silver is a really good teacher. Yes. And that frightened me because we've only seen Terry in the context of doing something for revenge. He wasn't really teaching Daniel. We also know now that Daniel was really Terry's first student. He never taught anyone back in the 70s. He, he left before the dojo had any students. So his only student, as far as we know, was Daniel LaRusso. So this is his first time being a, a real sensei to students to help them be everything that they can be. And his relationship with Kenny is sincere. It's not legit. It's not based on revenge. He's, he's truly teaching him, and he's frighteningly good at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, is actually a really good leader. I mean, I will hold uh, some comments until um, a later a later sequence between Silver and Crease here. So, um, basically, the, the 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 first time Robbie and Kenny go at it, I, I think Robbie kicks him probably a little too hard and is like, "Hey, are you okay?" Then the second time around, you know, we don't hear it, but I'm sure. See, this is where I'm a little. I I, I do wonder does. Terry point out to Kenny what he thinks the weakness was, or did he challenge Kenny to kind of, um, you know, to, to figure it out based on that, that first time? Because I think if it's the latter, that adds to Kenny's like um, quick wittedness, you know, to, to be able to kind of pick up on that. Um, but also, I actually, I, I think that's really it. You know, I, I think it just adds more to Kenny. Yeah, it could be either. What he, all we hear him say is, you're thinking about this the wrong way. He right. had just seen, because yeah, Robbie la- lands a, a sound strike and Kenny gets hurt. 
And Robbie's reaction is, whoa, 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 Kenny, are you okay? I'm sorry. At that point, Silver sees, gotcha. You, Kenny, are Robbie's weakness. He cares about you. He wants to protect you. He does not want to hurt you. That's his weakness. So then right. he tells Kenny, you're thinking about this the wrong way. Look what you just saw him do. What, what is his weakness? If he hurts you, he's going to let his guard down. And that's exactly what happens. And Kenny takes full advantage. It's a, it's a great scene. Uh, we got a brief one back at Eagle Fang uh, where the guys are basically giving Miguel the cold shoulder because he's getting a kind of special treatment, you know, now that Johnny, you know, that, that it's at least that Johnny does have, have to hide the fact that, you know, he's dating Carmen, at least from Miguel. I don't know if the other boys know, but, um, you know, he doesn't want Miguel to get hurt. So Miguel's not really engaging in the other exercises like the other guys. But um, I, I don't, I don't believe this really goes anywhere for the other students. This is definitely more for Miguel, you know, because he's going to bring this up a little bit later. Um, the fact that like, yeah, it's getting weird in class because he's beating, getting special treatment and the other guys are, are seeing it. Agreed. 100% that Miguel for the first time, felt, well, you never treated me different before. You never gave me anything special. You didn't care if I got kicked in the nuts and, training before why are you doing this now the only difference is that now you're my mom's boyfriend right yep uh daniel arrives at miyagi-do to find a guy cleaning the vehicles so this is the first time i heard about task rabbit i had to look it up but it's it's an actual thing um you could just go in and hire people to come you know do do work like this but um the one thing i guess i, for, I forgot to mention is that uh what what did daniel call this it wasn't wax off wax off it was like crap on something on crap off it was yes soap on crap off yeah like that that doesn't sound sexy you know like what what, what are you doing daniel like that so i did question that like why did he go calling it that it was very different i also got to wonder what the hell type of birds those were because they went yeah. to town on those cars what the hell did they, they, they really did they really Lord. did even if you uh, had the tarps on I, I feel like we have seen them before in like previous uh episodes and seasons I don't think it's ever gotten that bad. <laughs> no, no, never. Uh, yeah, they were never tarped in the Karate Kid, and, and they didn't look like that. So I, I don't know what happened. But uh, I, I agree. A, a very different type of wax on, wax off scene than what Daniel went through. It, they were just dirty cars. They were not covered in bird shit like the way Anthony was. So I, I get his frustration. But yeah. his response to calling the tax rabbit just to do it for him is classic Anthony and, and a great response. It really is. It really is. I do like the sequence because like, well, Daniel, he's a, he's an eighth grader. You know, he's not going to, especially if you call it soap on crap off, like that, that that's not going to make any eighth grader want to do anything. You know, you should have stuck with the wax on wax off or explain it. That's the thing with like Daniel and, and his teachings. Like, you know, the kids really have to like buy into it, but he doesn't do a great job of, of selling them, you know, uh, on it at first. But I guess if you think about it, neither did Miyagi, right? You know, like the, the the long the the game of like Daniel finding out exactly that oh he was training this whole time kind of thing. Yeah, I think maybe that's why he brought Anthony to the back first to see his other students doing this advanced training, saying if you start here, you will get to this. Mr. Right. Miyagi didn't have that. He didn't have an advanced student saying, look, this this is where you can be in a year. So he in his own way, said, you start with this and, and trust me, you'll, you'll get to that. But you can see that Anthony didn't buy into that, at least not right then. Yeah. And this is something that I <laughs> never expected from this show was Anthony to be 
salty, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't know Mr. Miyagi, you know, I don't care about these stories, you know, like that whole conversation that kind of broke my heart because that made me feel for Anthony even more. And that, again, that goes to why I had Griffin's performance as Anthony and just like the character of Anthony in season four, you know, being like one of the biggest surprises for me. It's like, wow, they're really fleshing out this character because we, we do so very little about. Yeah, that's true. And if you, you think about the, the time period, the four seasons take place over about two years, that Anthony's been there this whole time. And he's been essentially either ignored or pushed to the side as sort of a, a side issue. And that is sort of the genius of him making this reappearance now in season four, that I've been here this whole time as well. I am your other child. I'm the Karate Kid's son. And I've not been a part of this. And and that he does not have that connection to Mr. Miyagi that even Sam did for a few years in her youth that uh, makes him feel that he's been left out the whole time, which is why he resorted to just doing his own thing with the video games. Yeah, it, it, it's truly sad, you know, especially for anybody that have kids. You can kind of understand when like one of your kids feel a little left out, you know, so I really, really felt for Anthony in this moment. Um, even even if you have siblings, you, if you don't have kids, if you have siblings, you know, you, you got to remember a time when you were given something maybe by your parents. And then like one of your other siblings was kind of like, well, okay, I'm not getting that, you know. Uh, but yeah, Anthony has kind of missed out on this 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 karate connection um, that everybody else seems to have, excluding him. Um, let's see. We go back to the Diaz's and Johnny and Carmen are waiting on Miguel, who's late for dinner. Um, Love the sequence, yes. not only because it's uh, uh, hilarious, but the severity of it. Uh, Miguel, again, he brings up that, you know, um, it, it's different everywhere. And Johnny basically told him that nothing was going to change. Uh, but but that that's all that happened was change. Yes, absolutely. It's a hilarious scene at first. Use protection. Don't use protection. Let the girl decide. That's fantastic. And Carmen's reaction to him saying that is even more fantastic. I, I love that dialogue. But uh, I, I think that correlates exactly what you were saying, that everything that's happened with Miguel, with the other students in the meantime, was for the purpose of Miguel to show that things are changing, things are getting weird. You told me that they wouldn't. And it's been one day and everything's changed. Everything's weird. And I'm not going to put up with this, that suddenly you're giving me shit about going out with Sam like you're my dad. When you would have been like rock on before that yeah he's not a fan and, and you can really see johnny like right down the this middle you know like he he loves carmen and she talks about like i i need you to support me here like i need you to be in my corner he's like i got you but then like now he's also like oh my relationship with miguel though like he's my student i'm his sensei so it's very much like oh you know uh I was with Sam. See, he was just with his girlfriend. So, like, so I really, I really like that. So he's like, he's trying to play the mediator, um, yes. but also uh, you can see that Johnny has learned, right? Like he's, he's awake from to, to, to take something from 405. Uh, four, yeah. 405. You know, yes. Be awake. No, be woke. No, be woke. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's talking about, you know, yeah, right, right, protection, and then oh yeah, that's said, you know, make sure she's okay with it. You know, so like Johnny wouldn't have said any of this stuff. Like, previously. Just, I'm just saying things that I'm supposed to say, even though it has nothing to do with what's going on in the conversation at this point. Yeah. Oh, you're out. Oh, use protection. What? No, you can't yeah. say that to my son. Right. Exactly. Johnny. He's just, like, I love he's just trying Johnny. to do the right thing and <laughs> being classic Johnny in the process. 
yeah, it's, it, it truly is a great scene. Uh, back to the Rus- at the Love Russos, Anthony is walking through the the home dojo. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but when I first uh, watched the episode, I did wonder if he was going to deface something or break something out of like frustration, you know, just from what we saw, where, where we saw him previously in, in terms of what I thought his headspace was. Interesting. I, I hadn't thought that, that he was going to go that route. I, I remember being surprised that after that last scene we just saw with Anthony, where he effectively says, I don't care about Mr. Miyagi. I don't care about Miyagi. No, that's not me. That the next time we see him is in the home dojo with all the Miyagi-Do history and the pictures and the trophy. So that maybe he wasn't being completely honest with his father, that he, he does care. He just doesn't know and doesn't understand and, and wasn't a part of that. So you get some of the, the flashbacks hearing Daniel being announced as the champion and him just trying to figure out this side of his family's history. It's another great yeah, for, scene with Griffin. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, for me, I was just like, what, what is he doing there? And I think, you know, because like we saw, you know, what Hawk and, and company did in, in, in season two, and I'm always kind of wondering, all right, what are they going to do differently? You know, like every season they, they have to do something different, have to up the stakes and whatnot. And I, I did wonder if this was going to be the turn. Like they set up Anthony to be like, at least for me, I was like, man, Anthony's becoming like a really good character to have him kind of turn, excuse me, turn back on on Daniel after like spending the whole day and the conversations and stuff like that, just like the, the words that Anthony was using, I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I never thought he would have felt this way. And so like now it's just like, Oh, okay. Maybe he actually felt a little bad, you know, like he felt a little bad what he said, you know, understanding how much Mr. Miyagi meant to Daniel and to Sam to a certain extent, you know, up to the age of, of eight. So I think he's kind of walking down there and maybe trying to see if there's like, you know, if he can get some good vibes, you know, some some sort of connection just to to walk in there and look at the pictures and, and look at all these other things. So uh, another truly great moment, just like I just remember initially, I was like, oh, I just where where I, where my mind went. That's not the way it played out. So I love that. Not I, I love not being able to guess exactly what's going to happen next. And it just shows the big three's brilliance from the get go that they put so much thought into each and every detail. I remember way back to season one, people asking, why have Mr. Miyagi die in 2011? Why not have him die you know, the same year that Pat Morita died? And they didn't say why, but there was a reason for it. And it was clearly very important that Mr. Miyagi was around when Anthony was born, but Anthony just doesn't remember him. That, that There was an interaction between the two characters. Anthony just doesn't remember it. And that just shows that they do, again, everything for a reason. It was just brilliant thinking that he would have been around for about a year with Anthony before he passed and to show that you actually really do have a connection with Mr. Miyagi. You just didn't realize it. Yeah. He was, he was really young. Um, and, uh, I actually tweeted that out during one of John's Q and A's back in the day. I was like, Oh, I noticed, you know, the, 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 the date was different, you know, and what was behind that? Yeah. They wanted Mr. Miyagi to have been around long enough to have known, you know, the LaRusso's to make an impact on like Sam and Amanda's life. So, you know, the spirit of Miyagi lives on and, and yeah. yeah, absolutely. It, and it, they did all that while filming season one before we were even yeah. thinking about any of these storylines that just shows their, their foresight and their brilliance. So we also get this uh, little story of like, you know, when Anthony was a baby, Mr. Mr. Miyagi is holding him and um, very telling or at least purposeful that Daniel mentions, you know, this is the very first time I see, I saw anyone land a kick on Mr. Miyagi. 
Yes. Right? Because not a punch or not a not strike. A punch. Not, a, not, not a strike with a weapon or or anything like that. So possibly th- those may come up or they may not. But also like, you know, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Um, yep. And he says that Mr. Miyagi told him that someday Anthony would protect the family, which yeah. if, if that isn't a, a foreshadowing to something, I don't know what is it's telling yep. that you, you play a larger role in our family and in Miyagi-Do than you think. And this is coming from the big guy himself. Mr. Miyagi said that when you were a baby. Right. And uh, I believe it was Watch Party in one of his, his videos. I love, you know, the way he said it. He's like, Mr. Mi- Mr. Miyagi has never lied. You know, I'm paraphrasing, yep. but that's basically what he said. And so that's, you know, to add to you talking about like, if, you know, if that's not foreshadowing, we don't know what it is. It's like, well, you know, Watch Party also pointed out Mr. Miyagi has never lied. So we He's will see. Clearly going to play a big role. And it is also no coincidence that he finds the scroll that Chosen gave to Daniel right. in yeah. season three, which we finally get to see what it looks like. And all we're told about it, it is that uh, it's some type of technique that he hopes none of us will ever have to use. Right. Again, if that is not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. So is, <laughs> yeah. is that something that may be used in the future? I don't know, by an Anthony, by a Chosen? Who knows? But I, I think there was a reason we heard that line and, and finally got to see what was on that scroll. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I want it, but like thinking about it, and if we if we just see somebody actually do it, would that have been earned? You know, for something as serious as Daniel is making it out to be, shouldn't people learn what this is? But also, uh, you know, no matter what, do not use this unless you absolutely have to, because remember, like, you know, this is kind of the thing that we were wondering about. Miyagi-Do going into season three, you know, one of the things people kept on asking me, I was like, oh, I, you know, what's that secret? You know, that uh, Chosen says, are you sure about that? You know, in, in, in that teaser, I was like, oh, what if we find out that uh, Miyagi has actually killed? But no, it's actually further than that. Yeah, he probably did. But, you know, yeah, well, yes, you know, if you if you think that what I everything I said in my Miyagi video on YouTube, if you believe it, all that stuff, then yes, he has. But we further learned that the lineage of Miyagi-Do, they had to learn how to defend themselves, you know? And so, yes, they did kill. And, you know, it's basically kill or be killed at that point. So I feel people will have to know this for it to to actually, I don't know. I, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, I kind of want to see, like, people kind of learning, in, in, you know, how to do it. Because, like, you, you can't just, like, read it and then, like, bust it out you know, uh, it's just, it, I don't know how the scroll works, but clearly it shows something that Daniel understood that it's a very powerful technique yeah. and something not to be used, which is why I think chosen who had no problem with Daniel seeing the crane kick scroll, um, kind of freaked out when Daniel was about to pick up this other scroll. No, 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 no. Those are our secrets. You can't, you can't have that, that he oh, wasn't ready foreigner. for it yet. <laughs> you are a foreigner. Um, and then reconsiders afterwards. So uh, again, just shows parts of this episode foreshadowing, in this case, I believe foreshadowing future seasons, something that's going to be very important that we're going to look back and say, ah, season four, yeah. episode seven, you hinted this. Absolutely. Uh, brief scene with Sam and Miguel in the hallways of uh, West Valley, and he's filling her in on what's going on with Johnny and his mom. And Johnny, again, using his uh, secret passage to enter the hallways <laughs> and says, hey, Let's play hooky. I got some more training for you. Um, and you can see Sam, you know, just like, I want to learn Eagle Fang too, Johnny. Like you can see it, you know, she, she definitely, uh, 
wants to go against her dad's wishes of uh, being split apart because she wants to learn both sides. Yeah, whenever Johnny somehow pops up in West Valley High, you know we're going to get a great scene. You yeah. just know. He just pops up and, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? Yeah. Uh, we got another brief scene here at the middle school where Leah invites Anthony to, like, what was it, like a fair that's coming up? Some type of fair where they have fried Oreos and some type of carnival. It sounds like something that they would have done together as kids with their parents. And, hey, let's do that again. Absolutely. But all, uh, but what he does find out is that Kenny is also invited. And this is uh, leads to, you know, Anthony wanting to like, OK, you know what? If if Kenny's going to be there, I got to make this right at the very least, make it less awkward. Right. So he tries to. I guess apologize, you know, and so, but the fact that freaking Zach and, and, and Marcus and Slade are also there makes it difficult, but also Kenny's not trying to hear him. And, and I feel bad for Anthony. He was like, well, Anthony's trying to do right here, you know? So this is also where Kenny kind of turns. Yeah, it's definitely, it's another big theme of this episode and foreshadowing is showing Kenny starting to turn and just being like, I'm sick of this shit that they're putting me through. And then you've got Anthony starting to see the light side and the Miyagi-Do wisdom and like, I got to put this rivalry to an end. He tells his dad, don't get into this. Don't worry about this. I don't need to be trained. Let me do what I can, what I think is right. And in fairness to Anthony, he really does try to end it. Even with Zach and all of them standing right there, he tries to be like, hey, can we let bygones be bygones? But at this point, Kenny's like, hell no. (laughs) I'm not going to just bow down and, and be friends with you after what you put me through over the past few months. So you can understand both sides perspectives absolutely and you know the kenny just learned a valuable lesson in, in cobra kai everyone has a weakness so to his knowledge there's two things that you can't call another person uh chicken and lapuso <laughs> so, there you go nobody yeah. calls me Puso. yeah that's that's it that's it so uh <laughs> he does it twice and uh another chase ensues through the hallway of uh west, uh, west valley middle school Yes. And um, jumping ahead, I'll go ahead and just kind of bring this in because it, it, it really you know goes in together. But Daniel and Amanda are rushing through the hallways. Clearly, they were called because Anthony was at the office. I feel none of my kids have ever gotten school, knock on wood, because I still have three more that have to go through school. Three more, crazy. Two already finished. Um, none of them ever got in trouble in school where I had to be called like this. And right. I feel if you're being called to come to the school that you would have been told like, hey, your son got in trouble. Not, not like, please come to the school. You know what I mean? Especially the way they were like w- rushing down there. Yeah, I think it was just maybe an assumption on Daniel and Amanda's part. The last time they'd been yeah. called by a principal, the school fight had just broken out and they just right. assumed something happened. And maybe the principal did tell them, but they were just like, oh my God, something happened at the school again. It clearly someone did something to my child. They couldn't even yeah. conceive that my child would be the instigator. Well, and, and not only that, Daniel just found out from, um, from Anthony that he was being bullied by a Cobra Kai kid, right? Like, you know, don't worry about that right. Cobra Kai kid. So but... he, he saw the, the hoodie, he puts two and two together and he assumes based on what he's told and seen by Anthony and assumes that, Oh, my kid is being bullied and something has finally happened. Couldn't even conceive the fact that his own son would be the bully right and i i don't know what it is but but the way kenny leans over and says gotcha like 
that's familiar to me. He didn't he didn't do that previously, right? Has anybody done that on this show, or is that like another movie or something? It's so familiar. I don't think so, but it's 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 great. It's when we start to see this other side to Kenny because he's smiling that he he did all this. He doesn't care if he gets because he, he did get in trouble too. I think he was there too, sitting by the principal's office, and he didn't care. It was worth it to have Anthony and have his beloved perfect parents think that he is a bully and just to see that look from Daniel and Amanda and Amanda that they give to him. He's just like, gotcha. Yeah. Yes. It's going to bother me because it's so familiar. Um, okay. So we go back to the warehouse and another one of those great moments. Every season has to have one. Um, the season one, it was uh, episode one Oh seven Johnny's story. And yep. season two, it was the diner season three. I'm blanking. What is there a moment? Gosh. Pretty much every moment between them when he's rehabilitating Miguel. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, he was rehabbing the, the entire season. Pushing the phone away and use your damn teeth if you have to. That, that uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but even maybe even 302 where uh, Miguel has to like yell at him to get out of the out of his room. You know? Yeah. So um, I, yeah. And so this is that one in season four here where uh, this is where we find out uh, about why Johnny's father left. So my theory, my assumption was that he died in combat uh, for, for a bit. Yeah. There's, we learned a lot of new information about Johnny and his real father in season four. Uh, We learned it at first when in, episode four with little Johnny, where he mentions the fact that uh, his father left them. We were previously under the impression that Johnny had never known his father and uh, that he had either died or or left before Johnny could remember. We now know that's not the case. He was closer to kindergarten age. So he does have a memory of his father and we know that his father left. It would make sense. We don't know the nature. They never say he walked out. They never right. said he abandoned us. They just said he left. He's gone. And so that you're right. That is still a mystery that could be interpreted in a hundred different ways as to why he's no longer there. Uh, but we do know the fact that Miguel asked him, like, have you ever looked him up? Have you ever tried to find him? Johnny just says, no, I've never even tried. Yeah. And again, this is also foreshadowing. So this is that setup, right? So there shouldn't have been mm-hmm. any surprises when, when you, you know, finished the uh, season, season four, because, you know, he's talking to one of his senseis right here. And I'm trying to think about it. If like him and Daniel, yeah, yeah. It's, he does talk to Daniel later on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in an upcoming episode. Um, but yeah. So the, the two guys that he like looks up to, you know, they're, he's getting like their, in, in like their input and kind of what they went through and ultimately, ultimately leading him to making his decision at the end of the season here. So um, really liked it. And we get uh, another one of those iconic Johnny, um, what the hell is this type of training? So number one, you're wasting a bunch of watermelons <laughs> uh, just to teach him their t- tornado kick, which I feel was like a version of like basically the Ken and Ryu, Ryu uh, kick for Street Fighter. Yeah, I really would have liked to see more of that training. I don't know if that was actually filmed, but it looks like they put a lot of effort into getting all those watermelons in there and getting one wallerman hooked up. And Sam comes in and says she wants to learn it too. 
uh, I really would have liked to see them actually start that training and see, all right, this is how you do the flying tornado and watch them try. Cause it is shown later on in the tournament. It would have been cool to see them working on that move. I don't know if yeah, I also uh, kind of like, filmed it. Yeah. I, I also like the idea of like Sam, maybe uh, like listening in to the entire, you know, uh, the, the talk here, but just didn't want to interrupt. She could have been, that's not a hundred percent clear where she was during that conversation, but it is, possible that she would have been within earshot at least oh i think she was too playing hooky because i mean he's not wrong like they were going to go train but he you know johnny wanted to have a talk with him first so sam was probably like well this is my chance to also get in on some of this training so i'm also going to play hooky so she just did what you know lorraine baines does and just follows him it is pretty remarkable how all these students have straight a's despite the fact that they've never gone to class apparently all year we haven't seen them in an actual classroom since season two but hey, yeah. So yep, Sam also wants to train too. So Daniel, uh, let me see. Nope, skip that. Okay, so now here we go. At the very end uh, of the episode, we are at the back of the Cobra Kai dojo where Silver is reading the. Help me out with the pronunciation again. It's called Leviathan. It is a yes. old book written in 1651 by Thomas Hobbes, and it, it's a very quick shot of him just reading the book and then it moves on to the scene but uh i did look it up to see because again everything the big three does is important why would he be reading this book of any in all books and if you're familiar with hobbes um he, he believes in the concept of what's called a social contract that the the only true form of government is an absolute monarchy and he this is probably his most famous book but he writes many books about the value of a monarchy and how it's it's the only conceivable form of government that works, that people are not qualified to make decisions on their own, that democracies, they don't work, that someone needs an absolute ruler to tell them what to do in a good way. The, the belief that only a monarch, a true wise leader can save these people and lead them to you know, whatever it is, the promised land or something like that. But if they don't have that, it's just going to be anarchy. So um and he focuses on a lot of the concept of darkness and how the monarchy can save you from darkness and so again if you just watch this tiny little scene him reading this book this is a man who is planning on taking over the world truly and in, in our miyagi verse the world is the valley but this is a man who is plotting how to become the leader of the world and I think he agrees with every single word of this. And now seeing a season five teaser, it appears he's on the path to doing that, to becoming the monarchy, that these kids, they couldn't possibly think for themselves. Nobody else can. There's only one way. They need a leader. I am that leader. So it's it's pretty powerful that he's sitting there reading this. Yeah. So there's, um, I think most people, especially the ones that, you know, cover this on, on, um, you know, podcasts and what have you, they've all looked it up, but you're right. I mean, I, I mentioned in my, I think season, was it? Yeah. The, I'm mixing up because I, um, one thing I forgot to mention on any of these reviews uh, in terms of like catching up and, and updating the listeners that are not on social media I was uh, back in June. I was a guest on Kicking It with the Coves, 
So Martin Coe's yes. podcast, yeah, with Rachel and Jesse. Um, I was in, yeah, I was invited on, and uh, so I have an episode there. But I guess, I guess, if you're not on social media and you listen to podcasts, you probably subscribe to that and probably saw it too. But just for those that maybe don't listen to that podcast, I, I was a guest, uh, but I, I had mentioned like the writing on the show, uh, sp- specifically in that interview as well, uh, that you know the, the the writing, the 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 callbacks, the setting up. You know, it's just it's is unlike anything I've ever seen. And they could be setting things up for like a season or even two later, you know, so uh, absolutely. We don't we don't know how much longer Terry Silver will be around. If you think he's only going to be in season four and five, you know, um, I think what you're telling us about this book is like, yeah, I mean, and we've already seen like bits and pieces of it in the trailer as well. Like it, it looks like that's where Terry is he- uh, heading. A man's plotting on taking over. Going to be a Terry takeover. Yeah. So we got Kreese, uh showing up with, uh, you know, the brewskis, you know, he is a man of his word. And mm-hmm. there's definitely like a huge power play here. You know, the the, the choice of beer, uh, you know, takes Terry back to like their days in, in, in Nam. Uh, and then, you know, Kreese reminds him the story of the, uh, the young soldier that that uh, decided to take point, but blew himself up. Yeah. And this is Kreese playing on Silver's weakness, which is their time in Vietnam and the fact that Chris saved his life. And this is the first time we've ever seen Terry Silver not in control and someone else pulling the strings over him, which was really strangely hard to see that first time because Terry Silver was always like the mwahaha, larger than life, always the man in control of everything and everyone. And to see him just almost cowering to to crease and be bullied by him was something to see and and kudos to tig thomas ian griffith for just playing this scene the the look on his face that doesn't matter that he's a millionaire doesn't matter that he's a sensei all his accomplishments uh this is his captain speaking to him and he's speaking down to him and suddenly he's twig again he's that that scared little soldier who is being chastised by his captain and it works. It's a, a incredible scene, both his performance and Mark Coves. Um, there, there they are, the, the captain and the lieutenant again, and yeah. the captain very much in control. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you, you keep mentioning it, the word captain, the fact that that is even written in there, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a very, um, you know, kind of a, a mindful discussion of like, oh yeah, make sure that he, you know, mentions Captain, or even maybe Bill Posley just uh, inserted that himself as well. Uh, but it, so, so this is the, the thing where I kind of wanted to bring up, like I, I, we, unless I'm forgetting, I don't know if we know explicitly exactly how long either of them served in the military. You know, like did. Did Freeze get out as captain? You know, did Terry Silver get out as lieutenant? Because that's all they're, you know, kind of using. Like, I feel, you know, depending on what their reasons are, like um, a lieutenant, there's two types of lieutenants, and those are the lowest in terms of an officer. So you have right. a first lieutenant, or I'm sorry, you have a second lieutenant, and then a first lieutenant. I don't think I know exactly which rank uh, Silver is, but captain would be your third so it goes one, two, three. So two lieutenants and then a third would be captain. So 
I'm kind of curious, like, did they really not stay in that long to go even further? Like, I feel at some point, uh, Terry definitely could have reached the the uh, rank of, of captain. We don't know exactly. I don't know if we'll ever know. Yeah. But here's what we do know. In season three takes place between 68 and 69. And I don't think either of them were officers at the time. That that seemed no. to have happened later because... Captain that was probably after the mission, right? Because because right. Captain Turner is that's kind of that was a promise. Exactly, and he says if you get through this, you'll get your uh, you'll become an mission, officer, you'll get your or... green beret, your commission. Yeah, and the the second thing we know is that from the picture that it's Captain John Kreese, karate champion from 1970 to 72. So it appears Kreese made a significant jump to captain at some time between 69 and, and 72. And Terry made some type of jump as well to lieutenant, yeah. not quite as far as Kreese. And That's then, a huge jump just for Captain it's a very two, three jump. years. Yeah. yeah. And then by 1974, I believe, they're both home. That's when that scene takes place between uh, young Kreese and young Silver and earlier in season four where they're back home and they've already started Cobra Kai. That's seen in 74, 75. So they were still there for a long time. They were there at least five years, but it's not clear that how much further beyond 72 that they were there. So it appears because they're still referring to each other as Lieutenant and captain, that that's, that's where they left off when they were discharged. Yeah. You know, I'm, um, Karate Kid 3 is not one that I watched often, but I, I do wonder if there's anything that concludes into which type of Lieutenant silver was, because, um, that could also kind of speak to like him as a soldier. If he was only a second lieutenant, which is at the very bottom where you start, like he never really advanced and furthered his career to to get it higher. But I feel you know he has the smarts that maybe he was a, a first lieutenant, and that's just right below captain. So they're not that far off. You know, it is obviously captain's just a higher higher ranking. And how we can tell is the color of the bars. You know, that's that's the lieutenant rank. So yeah. something interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, this power play, uh, very sad. I'm not sure if you have any more to add to it, but just like the acting between these two powerhouses and, and the, the capper on top with, uh, crease, you know, like, like at this point, uh, silver is, you know, not reverted, but he is taken back to a time that he would, you know, uh, would prefer to forget and creases, yeah. you know, continues to remind him, but, uh, also on, on top of that, as, you know, Silver is paralyzed here in thought and PTSD. You know, Crease is like, oh, you don't mind if I take one of these too? Like, you know, that just like Jesus Christ, Crease. A so, total alpha move. And, and yeah, yeah. again, he, he just played completely on his weakness. And, and his response to that is no captain. That's the first time he calls him captain, not in a joking way, like in Karate Kid 3 with the salute. Uh, he, he says, no captain. Uh, he's not John anymore. He's, this is his captain speaking to him. He, he has brought him back to Vietnam through his PTSD, which what a dick move for Kreese to be playing on Silver's PTSD, the same that he has himself, knowing that it's going to bring him back to that cage in that moment in order to regain the upper hand. And he played him perfectly, and, and it worked for now. Right, right. And I think that's it. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Anything you think we might have missed? I don't think we missed anything. It's, a, again, a very important episode, very transformative episode. It's going to lead us directly into the, the tournament mode coming up at the end of the season. And, and I'm calling now. It's going to lead into some very important scenes and themes 
in season five that we're going to look back at this episode and say, ah, again, they hinted it all right here in episode right. seven, season four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this review. Uh, had a, had a good time and uh, look like the kids are, are, are breaking in here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fantastic. Great to always uh, chat all things Cobra Kai with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, let the listeners know where they can give you a follow if they haven't yet on, on social media and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, Cobra Kai Wisdom, Instagram, Twitter, lots of memes, lots of laughs, lots of, like I said, really great people who I've gotten to know over the past two years on that page. You all know who you are. You're awesome. And lately, Eagle Fang Yoda. Eagle Fang Yoda. That's I I mean I did see the one thing is that becoming a thing or uh surprisingly so yes that seemed to have been getting a very positive response didn't okay. intend to be that way but like most things uh you get a laugh you get uh, a few laughs and uh suddenly Eagle Fang Yoda is here to stay but we shall see okay. well there we go <laughs> Uh, for me, you guys can find me on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod, Cobra Kai Companion on Instagram. I am pretty active on on both of those when I'm not working in ungodly uh, temperatures here uh, out, out, out here on these streets. Uh, but yeah, we are wrapping up the reviews. Um, still a couple interviews that have been recorded and looking to release those as we get close to those uh, episode breakdowns as well. So keep it locked here. Uh, and if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the YouTube channel on the audio podcast. Give us a rating. So that way, uh, you know, the, with the new season coming up, people can can find us. You know, it will really help the visibility of the, of the show. So uh, thanks as always for your guys' continued support. And until the next episode, wear protection. <laughs> Love it. Haven't you done enough, princess?